Podcast. The Gospel According to Matthew was written by a former tax collector who was transformed by the power of Christ. Instead of keeping records for Rome, now he would keep records for God, carefully recording all that Jesus said and did. Matthew references more than 60 Old Testament prophecies, proving Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah. Jesus really is who he claimed to be, our Savior and soon returning King. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. Alrighty, I welcome you back to your seats. It is that time to get started, and you know, there's always joy to hear the simple Christmas miracle over and over and over again. The gospel, which took us out of darkness, brought us into light, took us out of a place of condemnation, brought us into a place of commendation to live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a wonder of wonders. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, we look to you this morning, and we've heard the Christmas story uh, thousands of times in our Christian lives. We pray for something new to strike us, God, that you would renew our minds and, and our hearts, that we would hear with fresh insight and put these truths into practice so that we might be a blessing to you and to others Uh, In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We came across an interesting article by an executive uh, leadership coach, and it was entitled, How to Have a Difficult Conversation When You Don't Like Conflict. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. Five quick tips let me summarize for you free of charge. Okay, number one. You should begin from a place of respect and stop worrying about being liked because that will get in the way. Number two, focus on what you're hearing, not on what you're saying. It'll help you be more sensitive. Number three, be direct without being rude, right? And so that's the issue there. Leave no room for misunderstanding. Um, Number four, don't put it off because waiting and uh, prolonging can only make things worse. And number five, expect a positive outcome. In other words, uh, if you look forward to a happy result, it kind of, uh, they say, helps your tone and your emotions to be kind of uh, upbeat and uh, makes for a better outcome. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, these words of wisdom, and I would add some distinctly more biblical strategies myself, but I do think that there are some sticky uh, situations that even the best advice in the world uh, can't help remove that awful anxious feeling that kind of haunts you right up until the second you open your mouth. So I'm thinking about the first Christmas, about Mary and the happy news she received from an angel, no less. She had found favor with God. She would be with child, as the Bible phrases it. Uh, He would be the son of God, and she would give birth to the Savior of the world, and I'm thinking about her loving, loyal, faithful fiance, Joseph, and now the conversation Mary has to have when she realizes she's pregnant as a virgin and engaged to be married. She has miraculously conceived when she's not married and Joseph has nothing to do with it. And it's not just an awkward conversation she has to have with Joseph, but quite frankly, everyone else. Her parents, her siblings, her friends, her rabbi. 
Now, I think Mary could have followed all five suggestions that I just read to you, uh, and then some. And even if she had expected a positive outcome, like the coach advised, the word of God lets us know it did not go well. So let's take a closer look now at the Christmas miracle and among other things, what must have made for some difficult moments for everyone involved. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, shall appear on the screen, and here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Sound familiar? (laughs) His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be already pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a right relationship, a compassionate guy, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He didn't want to be harsh with her. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, you are related. You are in the kingly line. Ah, He does that for a reason, to help Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is truly from the Holy Spirit, just like she told you. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It goes on. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said 700 years earlier through Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but... He had no union with her. They did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to Jesus. And they gave him that very name. And so there you have it, the whole text, which we read at the beginning in our call to worship. And we're going to take a look at this now. And we see, among other things, we're going to see first off that although Joseph was a good guy, he loved Mary and he loved his God, but he had limits. (laughs) He wants to call it off. He does not believe her for a moment. And so in this passage, which closes out chapter one, uh, there are three ideas that I see in the text that we just read that will help corral our thoughts and we can have a conversation around this mind-bending miracle. And three things, note takers, number one, that difficult conversation, verses 18 and 19. The second thing, a miraculous explanation, verses 20 and 21. And then the long-awaited promise now fulfilled, verses 22 and following down there. So yes, the eternal God becomes one of us in love to rescue us when we didn't deserve it. So if you have the winter blues, and a lot of people get that way around Christmas, I'll tell you what, there's no way that these truths combined with faith and rightly understood will not lift your spirit. You will have joy because you realize that God, the source of all life, loves you, saw your predicament, saw that you were trapped, you were guilty, you're on a collision course with condemnation and that forever. And so he got into action and came down from heaven. This is something you will not find in any other religion, even though everybody loves to say all religions are the same. You show me where the God of heaven becomes a human being so that he can be crucified and pay for the sins of the world when they don't even deserve it, don't even want him, and snub him and his kind gesture every single day. I don't find that in any other religion. I don't find a religion that says, hey, you guys can't do it. I'll do it for you. Put your trust in me and we're good. I don't see that out there. 
So we get to look at this joyous, yes, festive singing, time of year, gift giving, (laughs) joyous celebrations, goodwill toward men and all of that. Yes, joy to the world, the Lord has come, but joy isn't the only thing that happens when Christ comes into someone's life. There's some difficulty involved to all who receive him as Mary received him, as we receive him in like fashion. Difficulties come along with the joy. So let's take a closer look as we begin Mary with Mary's troubles. She's in a perplexing predicament. She's in a pickle, isn't she? Oh my word. Mary's troubles, though, are not just Mary's troubles. They're ours, too, if you've received the Lord. So we'll start with that first slide that's looking at you. That's our first point. And let me paraphrase again to get it through our thick uh, hearts. <laughs> it's better than saying thick heads, right? I think. And so this is how Jesus the Savior was born. His mother Mary is still engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, she, and she's a st- still a virgin. She becomes pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her fiancé, is devout. He's kind. He's merciful. He doesn't want to disgrace her publicly to make matters worse. So he decides to break the engagement and quiet as quietly and as he can and proceed with a divorce as discreetly as possible. So let's dive in now to our difficult conversation and so much more. Oh, it's not just a difficult talk that awaits poor Mary and Joseph and mom and dad and his parents and all the siblings and the whole town that everybody who ever knew and loved her and him are now thrown into a whirlwind. Oh, yeah, difficult conversation. How about the difficult pain of being falsely accused and everybody raising their eyebrows for the rest of your life? Oh, there she is. There she is. They couldn't wait until they were married. They committed a great sin and then tried to pawn it off on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Difficult pain with broken relationships, difficult pain of being mocked and insulted and ostracized, the loss of your reputation. Let's make a list here, not just a conversation. When God's spirit implants himself into the human heart or human womb, there's always difficulty. When light comes into a dark place, (laughs) when good comes into evil, (laughs) there's pushback, people. So let's talk about this humiliating circumstance of Mary, and maybe by now you already see where we're going, because her lot is our lot. Matthew lays it out in verses 1 through 17 that we looked at last um, time, 42 names of Jesus' genealogy, which proved he was the one. And the one in Greek would be Christ. And Messiah is the Hebrew way to say the one. He's the one. And so the Messiah had two qualifications. We saw that, that he had to be Jewish. So we got that traced through Abraham. And he had to be of the royal line related to David. Done, verses 1 through 17. Now it's time at verse 18 to show how the Jewish prophecy came to pass uh, to a virgin who is also in David's line. And that to her husband, though he is not biologically related to Jesus, he will be legally adopting him and in under law, Jewish law and Roman law, that Jesus will, will, will be the rightful heir of his adopted father's lineage, which is Joseph is, is blood related to all of the kings of Judah, starting with David and Solomon. Solomon is Joseph's blood relative. And as the adopted, and this is why the angel says, bro, bro, listen, son of David. Oh, did you not realize you were in the line of kings? Is the story starting to make sense to you, Joseph? All right, it's not just Mary, but it's Joseph as well. And they will give birth and raise God with us. 
That's amazing. So Matthew tells us Joseph's experience, his POV, his point of view, and Luke tells us Mary's, and it's quite dramatic. I'll refresh your memory about Mary, right? Gabriel comes, not in a dream, face to face to Mary. Mary, you found favor. The Lord is with you. And just the greeting alone causes Mary to be, quote, greatly troubled. In the Greek, it means struck with wonder beside yourself, almost in, out of your mind. And of course, people see angels in the Bible, uh, and anytime they do, they fall down and quake and, and, and fear, and they say, we are dead men. These are our Roman centurions say things like that when they see angels. And I'm sure uh, the angel, for Mary's sake, kind of <laughs> dumbed his, himself down a little bit, so not to uh, cause a teen girl. Uh, but she had a lot of fear. And, and how does an angel show up and not blow your mind? And I wonder how he showed up and where, because it wasn't in a dream. I mean, was she home with her siblings? She does not live with Joseph. They are engaged. She's uh, it, uh, maybe at, at home with her siblings, and the siblings all go, hey, we're going outside, and they all leave her alone. She shuts the door behind them. She's alone in the house, and she turns around, and Gabriel is standing there. Yeah, I would be greatly troubled myself. At the How did you get in here? Well, yeah, he doesn't have a problem with that. And he says, you don't have any need for fear. You found favor. You will conceive a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high God. He will sit on a throne and rule forever. So Mary has a question. <laughs> she says, I, I'm good with this, you know, but I just want to know how. How is this going to happen since I've never been with a man? And, the, and he says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of God will come upon you. And, and uh, this baby will be called the Son of God. And Mary responds, better than John the Baptist's father. <laughs> Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be uh, fulfilled in me. And then Gabriel's gone. <laughs> That's the easy part, right? And now life returns to normal. So I imagine now Gabriel vanishes and the neighbor pops in and says, hey, Mary, what's up? <laughs> what is she supposed to do with this information? You know, I mean, she's still walking around in circles going, I'm feeling her stomach and all of that, you know. Um, or the sisters walk back in you know, and said, did we hear you talking to somebody? We heard voices. Oh, my word, poor Mary. <laughs> I suppose she sort of kind of prayed and pondered and tried to digest it all until after a week, your text says, um, she was found out. She was found. She was discovered. Why? Because she had to have a painful conversation. The word of the angel had come to pass. And it only took her a few weeks to figure out, I'm pregnant. So she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And she had to have the talk. Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, what did that look like? She sits him down. She cooks him his favorite meal. I don't know. What is she going to say? Hey, I've already picked the baby's name. <laughs> you know, how do you start? Joseph, listen, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. Um, you know, the facts are, would be hard to say. Listen, I'm pregnant and I wasn't unfaithful. An angel appeared. I have found favor with God. I'm going to have the Messiah. I'm, I conceived of the Holy Spirit. His name is Jesus. And I got the whole thing. He's going to be the son of God. And Joseph's face. <laughs> I need to see this in heaven. I want to replay. I want to see it. He's thinking. Not only did she sin, but she's not who I thought she was, and she's not who she claims to be. Not only did she cheat on me, she's a liar, and she's a touch crazy. She has <laughs> delusions of grandeur, and she's the definition of narcissist. 
Joseph is a good man, and good men are compassionate people, and righteous, yeah, you, usually you hear righteous and you think of self-righteous, but a truly righteous person leads with mercy and compassion. He could have made a scene, he could have put her through the ringer, have a public trial, and sometimes, well, there was a death penalty in place. The Jews had stopped using it by Jesus' day, but they were still open to it. They, almost, they did demand it in John chapter 8 of the woman caught in adultery. And so, yeah, in heinous situations, high-profile cases, they would call for the death penalty and not just for her. In Deuteronomy 22, Joseph is in danger. So we're trying to understand there. And so he swallows the pain of betrayal. He's, uh, his future life is turned upside down. His dreams have been dashed to the ground. Uh, he wants to be merciful and gracious as possible, uh, but he still wants out. He wants out. He doesn't buy it. And uh, he wants to break the engagement. In Jewish law, they were already considered married. So to have an engagement... Uh, to, to stop the engagement process would require a divorce. And so he has determined in his heart he's going to uh, go into town, fill out the forms you needed uh, to write out uh, a testimony, and then three witnesses. And so, yeah, it's not just Joseph's mind who's been blown, that's been blown. Uh, as I've been saying, the families know. There's no way he's decided to go to town and, and, and kind of rat her out, as we say, and then bring his three witnesses without going to the young teen's father and mother and his own parents to say, hey, listen to what I'm going to have to do. You're going to find out I'm going downtown. So the stories come out, and everyone who's heard it is shocked and disappointed, and they all are, are dealing with it in their own sometimes wretched way. And so my question to you and to me is this. Why on earth did God, why didn't he simply send Gabriel to Joseph first? Why didn't he do that? He didn't do it for a reason to make a point that everybody who the Holy Spirit finds favor Every person who is the object of God's favor and the Holy Spirit overshadows us and his life is born in us and we bear him, not in a dark womb, but in our dark hearts. We all have to have a difficult conversation. We all have now have find ourselves in strange peril that can cost you your life depending on what family you happen to be in when Christ makes his home in your heart. What if you're a Muslim and suddenly the, the power of the Most High overshadows you and you hear the gospel and you open your heart and in comes the inception, the seed of God into your life and it's only a little time before you start to show because you will start to show because the power of God is in you now and a changed life. You've been raised to a new life and now you can't keep the secret to yourself because your Muslim parents want you to come in and bow to Allah and you can't go in there anymore. So you have to sit them down and have a difficult conversation and say, I'm highly favored of God, the God of the Bible. And his spirit has overshadowed me and there's new life in me and I bear him now to the world. Yeah, that's a hard conversation when it can cost you your life. How about people who are stuck in Catholicism? Try leaving Catholicism in a highly Catholic family and tell them, oh, you've met the Lord and you're leaving the Catholic church. That's a difficult conversation. And they are not even practicing when they throw a fit. They're not practicing, but you come into a living relationship with the Most High God because he puts something in you. Holy life, his own life in your heart. And they want to shun you and make stuff up about you 
and treat you exactly how they treated Mary. That's why God didn't do it any other way. Because he's going to say, this is a type. This is what's going to happen to you. What if you're a Jew? Now, in my case, it didn't matter. We weren't connected to our Jewish relatives. And I, I get it from Jews anyway. We were in Israel, I told you, in Jerusalem, and I met the shopkeeper who had emigrated from Los Angeles to be a son of the law. And I said, oh, man, I'm related to Abraham, too. And we were just small talking there. And he said, oh, wow, man, well, who are your friends here? And I said, they're Christians. I'm their pastor. And he says, you are a traitor. You are a traitor. And I said, no, I'm not, sir. I am obedient to the Jewish scriptures that promise a Jewish Messiah to Jewish parents to a Jewish state called Israel. I'm the obedient person here, right? I'm not saying that (laughs) to achieve a round of applause by all three of you. Thank you. (laughs) When Christ is conceived in our hearts, difficulties come. Remember when my friend Yukako in Kanazawa, Japan, Barb led her to the Lord and she shared the happy news in a difficult conversation with her Buddhist parents. The dad immediately went into a rage and picked up all the furniture and smashed it into pieces because the spirit conceived in her Christ. And now, she was beginning to show, and it was found out. We bear the pain, along with Mary and everybody else, when Christ is conceived in our hearts and lives. My roommates, three days later, I came in, and three days later, my roommates wanted a party because it was Friday. And and we had a routine. And I I was like, (laughs) what I... No, I can't go. Why not? I don't want to. What are you talking about? You don't want to. I don't want to do those things anymore. I am a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. What are you saying about us? Are you judging me? Are you telling me I'm doing something wrong? Here, I didn't say anything. I said, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I'm a Christian now. Well, what happened to you? What do you mean you're a Christian? What happened to you? Oh, you got religion? What, did you have a vision or something like that? Well, actually, yes, I did. (laughs) I did have a vision. Nobody takes this well. And what about the person who says, everybody loves me. Everybody loves my story. Everybody loves my message. You have a false pregnancy. (laughs) Nobody loves to hear that they're in sin and and headed for judgment unless they repent. Jesus said, woe to you when all speak well of you because that's how they speak about false prophets who tell everybody what they want to hear. So if you're telling people some gospel, so I got some good news, it's exactly what you want to hear. Of course they're going to applaud for you. Now, by and large, a lot of Christians are well-received because we live right and we try to. We love people. We work hard. And yeah, of course, not everybody despises us. You know, they'll say sometimes you have the conversation, hey, man, you know, things have changed in my life. I'm a Christian now. And they'll say, hey, I'm happy for you. The good Lord that you now have found help you if you try to spread any of that nonsense here. But we are so happy for you. Have you not heard that? Yes. So, yes. So uh, things are looking bad for Mary, but as usual, God comes through for the win, as one of my good friends likes to say. Right, Ben? And so Joseph learns that, uh, that truth now. Uh, here in your texts. And so let's go to the second slide, the second point, the miraculous explanation, which should bring things down a little bit. I'll paraphrase 
So after he thought long and hard, Joseph, he made his mind up. That's what the word means in the Greek. An unnamed angel, he doesn't get Gabriel, and it's not the presence of God as the angel of the Lord. It's a, an angel of the Lord appears, not in person, but through a dream, maybe for a reason. Joseph, you who are in David's bloodline, which should be helpful, don't be afraid to marry Mary, to get to marry Mary, <laughs> to get married to Mary. <laughs> Take her into your home because it's true, Joseph. It's true. She's conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's a boy and you're going to name him Jesus because that explains why he's here. He will save his people from their sins. So Joseph here has plans. He has listened. He's prayed. He's got some wise counsel. That's what righteous people do. Uh, But after uh, everything is said and done, he wants out And he tells his parents, his siblings, his three witnesses, and all of that, as we've been saying. So Joseph is ready to file, and God intervenes in an interesting way. First, it seems Joseph, God wants Joseph to grow in his faith, because it's harder to believe something that come to you in a dream than if you're looking at a person face-to-face, in this case, an angel. And so God wants the guy to grow in his faith. And so he appears in the dream, the angel does. And, you know, I don't know that God is very pleased with Joseph not listening to Mary. I I think he should have. Why? Well, you know that scene in Lion the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe where Susan has found out about Narnia. So she's become a believer now. And her sisters, and she comes back, and there's a land, and there's a king, and there's a bad, wicked uh, queen, you know, or the devil, and all of this. She's telling the story. And all of the siblings are laughing and mocking her and giving her a hard time. Well, they end up going to the professor who lives in that big mansion, and they say, our sister's gone crazy. She's talking about this kingdom, and she goes in through her closet, and boom, there's a king, and there's dark powers, and all of this. And the professor goes, hmm, well, and you don't believe her. And they say, of course we don't believe her. And then he says, huh, is your sister prone to lying? No, she's never told a lie that we know of in her whole life. Is she prone to exaggerating? Uh, No, she doesn't exaggerate. Does she make stuff up? Is she a little crazy? No, she's perfectly sound. Then why don't you believe her? You really don't have any good reason not to believe, do you? And that's kind of what maybe God's take with Joseph is. Like, Joseph, come on, was she known to be promiscuous? Is this the woman that you know here? No, of course. She's she's the antithesis of that. Was she known to be a liar, to make stuff up? Does she make stories up? Is she kind of a little, like, crazy? Does she drift off into making stuff up like that? No, never. She's never done that. She's never. She's pure in heart. She's submissive. She's obedient. She's sound. She's devout. She's truthful. She's loyal. Then why didn't you believe her? Paul says, why would I? who tried to destroy the faith, now preach it and live for it. Why? Why? I was witnessing to an unbeliever and I told him, I I used to hate Christians and hate church and hate the Bible. And now that's all I can talk about. That's all I want to do is read the Bible and be around Christians and sing Christian songs. What happened to me? How do you explain me? And the atheist goes, you had a nervous breakdown. How does a nervous breakdown better your life? How does it fill you with peace and love and joy and help you to do what's right? Would to God the whole world have a nervous breakdown? But see, they just don't want to believe. The Bible says that they refuse to believe. So notice what the angel says to Joseph. Number one, kid, 
Did you know you're related to King David? Did you know you're in the king line? That if you lived back in the day, you would be king, sitting on a throne, living in the palace. You, Joseph, blood to 20 kings in succession. Joseph, by blood, is in succession. But he doesn't know that. Now, does it make sense, Mr. Adopted Father of the king that Mary's trying to tell you about? That not only is your wife blood related to King David, but so are you. So that the legal adoption <laughs> makes Jesus both the legal heir and the blood heir through your wife to be. Do you get that, Joseph? All in a little phrase, oh, son of David. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't really think about that. No, you didn't, Joseph. Now, now, the content. She told you the truth, man. No need to hesitate with fear. Get married. Bring her into your home. She's conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son, and you will name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And the funny thing here is you see the purpose of why Jesus came. Ask somebody at Conning Town Hall today, why did Jesus come into the world? You'll get the following answers to be a good teacher, to show us a moral example. He's a religious role model. And to bring peace to the world, to unite the world in love. That's not what the angel says. Name him for what he's going to do and why he came down from heaven in the first place to spill his blood for your wretched sins so that you can be reconciled back to God the Father. This is the real reason Jesus came, and it's also a reason that is not well received, that Jesus has to rescue somebody from their sins, sins that people love to commit, sins that people don't want to give up, sins that people excuse away, sins that people deny they have. Because we're all basically good people who would give you the shirt off of our backs and all of that stuff. Well, you may indeed be a kind person, comparatively speaking, but you've got sins. And the wages of sin is death. And it is the reason why we have to die. And it's the reason why we stand guilty before God. And he came to fix that. Genesis chapter 3 tells us how it all went down. The first two chapters of the Bible tell you how God created everything and everything was wonderful. And the rest of the 1137 chapters tell you how God had to go about fixing the problem that happened in Genesis 3. You know the story. Love demands a choice that we have free will. So God created us with free will in love and gave us boundaries so that we could walk in love and choose. And he said, all the fruit on all of these trees is available for you 24-7 except one. So use your free will to express your free love to me. And of course, deception came. Seduction came. She ate. He ate, we ate in them. And when they did that, the promise, if you transgress against me and pull away from the source of your life, you will die. They didn't fall over and die physically. That would come in 900 years. But at that moment, they were disconnected from God and they died. They had no more spirit. They were just soul and body, and whoever was born of them was born spiritually, stillborn, dead. The children of transgressors are transgressors themselves and prove that as soon as we're old enough to start sinning. We sin and nobody has to teach us how to lie. Nobody has to teach us how to steal. Nobody has to teach us how to kill. Nobody has to <laughs> teach us to be envious and covetous. We just know how to do it and we're good at it and we love it because we only do what we love. And the only way out happened Christmas in the garden. He announced it. He said, the woman 
the seed of the woman. A conqueror is coming who will be born to the woman that you deceived and spiritually slain. But through this woman, a woman, and her seed, there's no daddy. Through the woman's seed that the Holy Spirit puts a seed in a woman's womb and out will come your conqueror. You will bruise his heel, signifying the crucifixion. But he will crush your head because he'll pay for the sins of the world. And if the sins of the world are paid for, everybody's free. And your work has failed because all of them have hope. They can all return to me free of charge by simply believing because when Christ, the seed of the woman born to Mary, will hang on that tree, he will say, it is finished. Paid for in full, that's what it means. Our sins are washed away. Now death is irrelevant. Yes, we will die physically, but the second death, the separation from God, that awaits those who have not been reconciled and have new life, who have not been born again. So Jesus came to pay for the sins and relight the pilot light to raise us to a new life that can never die. So this body will die in a wink and we'll be standing there and Jesus said, not a hair on your head will be harmed because you have a life that can never die because we've been knit together together with the source and author of life. That is why he came. He came to die. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold because he's a king. Frankincense and myrrh are embalming spices. They know the prophecies from Daniel. That's where they've come from, where Daniel left a legacy of knowledge and prophecies when Daniel lived in Iraq. This is where the wise men come from. They've got the star, the prophecies, Micah 5, 2. They've got the whole thing. And they bring in bombing spices because he was born to die. And what's the one caveat, the one hope? <laughs> he says, God so loved the world that he became one of us. He sent his son through his son. That whosoever believes in him, just simply trust. You have to trust. What about people who've never heard the name? And there are people throughout history who never heard the name. God judges us by the light that we've received. We have a conscience. We have general revelation and creation. God is a good God. And I just want to say there's hope. There's hope for everyone. And God, the judge of the earth, will do right. Amen. Let's finish up here with the long-awaited promise fulfilled here. So you're reading along, and I'm paraphrasing all this. <laughs> Matthew's editorial note we close with here. Uh, all this is no coincidence. He didn't just appear out of <laughs> the mist. It was foretold long ago and has now come to pass what the Lord spoke through Isaiah the prophet in chapter 7 and verse 14. 700 years prior, a virgin is going to give birth to a boy. He'll also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph wakes up, he straightens up, and he does as he's told and marries Mary. <laughs> and they didn't consummate the marriage until Jesus was born, and they named him Jesus. And the Catholics, with false doctrine, says she remained. First of all, that Mary was immaculately conceived, that she is equal to God because she also had no father. And they say she never consummated the marriage and that the, all of Jesus' siblings were, were children from another marriage of Joseph because they want to keep her immaculately conceived. But the scripture plainly says they waited until after Jesus was born and then they consummated the marriage and had Jesus' siblings, half-siblings. So the long-awaited promise is here. And Matthew wants to say, hey, um, Jesus didn't appear out of thin air. 
The gospel's verifiable. The truth there in cities, dates, places, people's names, wars and landmarks and world leaders' names and all verifiable through archaeological finds and his, history and, and prophecy. That's my point here. Prophecy. A quarter of the Bible is prophetic for God just saying, look, these writings predate that time and they're clear. 300 of them. This is just one prophecy that says a virgin is going to have a boy. And let me show you. I've got the I've got one that really lays it out in Isaiah 2 chapters later. For unto us this is 700 years before Bethlehem. For to us a child is born human through Mary. To uh, I mean sorry, a child is born human through Mary to us a son is given the dual nature of that life. The son of God, a human child together. Come on. And the government will, he'll rule the world. And he's going to be called a baby born of a virgin. It's going to be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. There it is that the Messiah would be called mighty God and would be equal to God in every way, everlasting father, prince of peace and the greatness of his rule and peace will be no end. He will reign on David's throne because in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, the Holy Spirit promised David, through your body will come a king who will reign forever. He told him that. And so the prophecy here in Isaiah says he will reign on David's throne. <laughs> and that's amazing that mom and stepdad, adopted dad, are blood to David. <laughs> And Jesus as well, over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And I love this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this is really Matthew's editorial note. God said it, it's going to happen. This all happened because God said it would happen. That's what Matthew is telling his Jewish readers. So we go back to Matthew now and the closing text there. He says, you do realize that the virgin birth uh, was told 700 years earlier, and it's because God said so, and it's going to happen. Everything God has ever said is already done. It's as good as done. That's Matthew's point. Don't be so surprised. 300 prophecies about Jesus the first time, 2,500 prophecies about the second coming. If Jesus nailed it right there <laughs> with 300 prophecies, showed up and fulfilled every single one of them, let me tell you how serious he is about the second coming with 2,500 of them laid out for all the world. And, and if it catches anybody as a thief in the night, by surprise, it won't be because God didn't warn everybody. That's for sure. Amen. They'll call him Emmanuel. Let's finish on that thought. It's like, well, who called him? I thought his name was Jesus. Well, they will call him his people who become his people by receiving him in faith. will understand Jesus to be God among us. And that's what we consider him. That's how, how we think of him. And that's what we call him. He's our God among us. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And that word that was God made himself flesh and dwelled among us. God. Emmanuel with us. El. God. The with us God. God wants to be near to us, not far away. So near that he's in our hearts, wedded our spirits to his own to give us life. Is there any problem, any fear, anything bugging you today? God is with you. God is with you. If you've called on his name, you've opened your heart. He's drawn near to you. And when God draws near, you don't have problems. You really don't. I'll close out with this. I, I've told you the story. I was diagnosed with some form of <laughs> cancer 
in the early part there, the early days of my diagnosis. I knew that there was a problem, but they didn't know how bad it was and all of this. And I was waiting in the doctor's office one day in San Francisco, and I'm in a waiting room, feeling sorry for myself, planning my memorial service and uh, those kinds of things, thinking about the guy who's going to raise my kids and all of that, those happy thoughts. And I'm sitting there, and uh, (laughs) the receptionist comes out, and she's calling people. And she stands right in front of me, and she's looking around, and she says, she calls out the name, Emmanuel. And she says, okay, Emmanuel, it's your turn. Nobody answers. Emmanuel, is is Emmanuel here? And then she gets exasperated, and she says, is Emmanuel here or not? Right in front of me, right? So I'm like, God, please, not now, not now. I was watching the tears drop onto my shoes as I sat there thinking about my life and my little kids, my wife. And all I could hear was, is Emmanuel here or not, Pastor Ross? So, by the way, this big Samoan dude got up. He had his earbuds in, right? <laughs> Somebody nudged him and said, Emmanuel. And he, got, he, he walked by. But God made his point. And I'm making the point to you today. Is Emmanuel here or not? Has Christ come into your life or not? Are the promises of God true or not? Are you going to overcome? Is God working this thing out for his good and your good or not? If God is for you, who could be against you or not? Is God for you? Yes or no? Then if he is, who could be against you? Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, so easily preached and so difficult to live, all of us, not just me, I got to just help us to have faith, to see the things that are unseen and put more stock in them than the things we can see and feel because they're eternal. And what we can see and feel and taste and touch and all of that, it's just temporary. Help us to put our faith in your promises and to live like we believe them because we do and they're true. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org. 